Hello and welcome to the Travelling Through podcast. I'm your host Emma and each week I'm out and about chatting to Londoners and those who love, live and work in this big and glorious city. My podcast guest today is Calvin Niles, who in fact was a podcast guest two years ago. But as so much has happened since then, I saw it as an opportunity to catch up with him for a second time. And during our discussion, he talks about being a communication coach, a mindful storyteller and an author. His mission is to guide and inspire others along their own work and life path. During lockdown, he began a book club, Stories of Awakening for Readers, also known as the Saw Book Club, which is going from strength to strength and attracting people from all around the world. And he is about to run a mini retreat on mindful storytelling in London with Shamash Aladina and his sister Simone Niles. And they will be hosting this retreat at Rennie Relaxi's art exhibition in London in early March. As many of you will know, Rennie Relaxi has also been on my podcast and you can find that also in the show notes. This is Calvin's thoughts on London, the world and life. Do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do. <laughs> Thank you, Calvin. You're welcome. Welcome to the Travelling Through podcast. <laughs> I'm here with Calvin Niles and he's got a song for Swindley Forest. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so, podcast listeners, I am here again with Calvin. Yes. Who I first interviewed or podcast chatted with back in 2020, yeah. almost two years ago. Yeah. And was I'm that not... 2020? Yes, it was. I probably just got you back the... from South Africa, I think. You, you were the... Oh, you were about to go. Oh, was I about to go? Yes. Right, yeah. Uh, and Early you... 2020 then. You were my second podcast guest, I think. So yeah. anybody who wants to refer back to the first episode with Calvin, please do so. Because today we're going to be talking about very different things as Calvin. Your life has really gone in leaps and bounds since we, we last met. You've now taken on a more defined approach towards coaching, storytelling, book yeah. club, books, writing, all yeah. sorts of things. Yeah. Perhaps yeah. we should start with, as we're in Swinley Forest, how did you find this forest? And why, mm. why is it such a, a precious place for you, or special place? Yeah, thanks for asking. Yeah, Swinley Forest, 2,600 plus acres of really beautiful green lush land. A friend of mine actually introduced me to this forest, I don't know, many years ago, well over a decade when our kids were really tiny. And it just became a mainstay of my life ever since really. Um, a place to bring the family, um, it was a place to come when you wanted a little bit of space to yourself, great to come on wet winter days like this one. <laughs> it is a bit wet, isn't it? But it's not, it's not sort of real Scottish mizzle. No, no, sort of mist no. and drizzle. Nothing, <laughs> nothing can be as bad as a Scottish winter. <laughs> That's true, yes. Um, and also a really wonderful place to come in the summer when the trees smell amazing and you can, you know, get the oils and all the lovely sort of natural scents. And yes. This became that oasis for me in some ways. Um, and a space for creative inspiration as well. Mm -hmm. Because this is where you came to write your first book. Yeah, my first novel, yeah. Your first novel. Yeah. Um, hang on, I'm going to, I know Eastmore is in the title. I can yeah. hopeless at remembering the titles. <laughs> Please remind me. <laughs> the Sun Rises in Eastmore. Yes. 
yeah i wrote i basically did the whole first draft in this forest practically mm -hmm. um back in 2016. right i would come here go for walks and find somewhere to sit under a tree and just write um sometimes i'd have a notebook most of the time i'd have my laptop yes and i'd literally just vanish into the <laughs> vanish into the green <laughs> um you know when i sat down you probably wouldn't even be able to see me <laughs> beyond the ferns you know because really? the ferns are a couple of, of feet high of course yes at the moment it's very dead looking isn't it yeah and, and uh, your story does it encapture part of your own personal story yeah 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 totally i mean i had gone through big life change at the time mm -hmm. um I mean, suppose we're always going through changes, aren't we? But we definitely are, yes. I was going through a big life change at the time. My relationship had changed with my, at the time, wife. I had moved on. In, I was living alone. Mm -hmm. And my whole reflection of what it meant to be a father and, you know, the relationship with my children and what that now looked like in this new paradigm. Yes. These were all things I was processing. Okay. So that influenced the main character of the book quite a lot. Leo. Leo, yeah, yeah. But it is a book of mystery and intrigue and it's set in a fictitious world called Davisha. And he does have a mystery to solve. But while solving this mystery, of course, he's also having to deal with his own emotional journey. Right, right. Mm, yeah. Okay. And it's been well received. You put it very bravely I think to, uh, it, I always think it's brave when you when you put your own book forward to your book club because <laughs> quite often you know the people yeah. and uh, you brace yourself for the reactions <laughs> but I believe it was very well received was it not yeah I think I think it was reasonably well received um, what gave me actually a lot of confidence so I run Soar book club and uh, I only started it in lockdown because I wanted a community who would enjoy the things I enjoy. Yes, yes. <laughs> Basically, um, and, it, and it did really well. And we had an author in there who turned up, who wrote well, 20 books plus, but one of the books we read of his was called Breakfast with Buddha, a man called Roland Marullo. Mm -hmm. And I asked him to come to the book club to talk about our book of the month, which was his book. Yes. And something like a little cheeky thing inside of me said, ask him to read your book. <laughs> so I sent him, um, I don't know, the first 20 pages, you know, double space, blah, blah, blah. You know how they like the editors like yes. to receive it. And he gave me some encouraging feedback and some pointers. And I thought, wow, well, I mean, if he's saying on balance, mostly positive things about this book. Yes, yes. And maybe I could start just pushing it out some more to the world because you know in your first piece of writing you're always kind of a bit apprehensive yes definitely so yeah so i released it into the book club um like a very early version of the book and yeah it was reasonably well received i would say and i'm happy with that um, because the, the the mission of if i could call it a mission or the or the focus of saw book club is stories around kind of transformation is it and yeah. change of life yeah absolutely style and what, yeah. what else is, yeah. is, it, is it attracting people who have gone through transformation themselves or are just interested in the whole idea of transformation even though they may not have transformed themselves yet 
Yeah, that's, that's a great point. It attracts different kinds of people. Um, I would say the common thread are curious people, people mm -hmm. who are spiritually curious. Right. Because stories of awakening for readers like us, that was the sort of first strap line. Yes. And I took a bit of creative license with, with the acronym and turned it into SOAR. S-O-A-R, Stories of Awakening for Readers. Aha, <laughs> uh -huh, of course, I didn't realise that. Yeah. There's an acronym behind the, the name. So it became SOAR. Yes. SOAR Book Club with Calvin Oz. And then we started with spiritual fiction because, you know, I had just finished coming out of a space of fiction writing and creativity mm -hmm. and I wanted to enjoy more of it. And I wanted to explore that space. What, what were other writers doing in their own spiritual fiction? And how does it conform or not conform for that matter to other works yes. in a literary space? And, um, and it's quite diverse. So that opened up this whole exploration for the book club. Okay. Yeah. And now you've actually taken the book club a further step and created sort of a private part to it. Yeah, can, yeah. Well, you've actually... done your research, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> but of course. Um, uh, yeah, so what happened was at the end of last year, you know, we had a nice community and people were like, hey, what's going to happen next year? And I already had my own sort of community, which was a fledgling community. And I thought, you know what? This book club is where my heart's at. This is what I enjoy. This is where we connect and have all the benefits of the traditional communities who come together. Yes. But we're just coming together around books and a common interest in this theme. So I um, put it out to the group and they were like, yeah, let's expand it to nonfiction as well. Okay. So we've expanded to nonfiction and then I added a subscriber model. So where I could essentially one, get people to commit to the book club. Cause I know you run book clubs yourself, haven't you? In yes, your bookstore. Yes. You know what it's like. Sometimes people go, oh, I haven't read the book. Or, yes, that's I can't me. turn up today. <laughs> you had a good reason to be there. You, had a, <laughs> you had a good reason running the bookstore operation. <laughs> but, you know, that little commitment, even if it's, you know, just a tiny commitment to say, yeah, I'm taking this seriously. Yes. So I asked for a one pound commitment mm -hmm. minimum per month. And I think just psychologically that gets people to say, yeah, I'm committed to this. I'm committed to this journey. It's certainly not like a, you have to do this for me, <laughs> but you know, there is something when you're paying for something. Of course, you value you it. You value enough. it a, bit, yeah, a little bit yeah, more. Yeah. So there's a nominal fee of one pound a month for people. Um, but then you can go up the membership tiers as well. So if you are a supporter, you pay a pound. If you're a fan, you pay five pounds. And for that, you get access to a very unique bespoke podcast which I create just for the Soar Book Club community. Okay. And if you're part of the community tribe, you get access to all of that. Yes. As well as a monthly intervening meeting called Fireside Conversations. Okay. That's um, a nice Yeah, we explore idea. the the book club themes a bit more. Sure, sure. And, and the fact that all of this is done via Zoom, it means yeah. that people can join from all over the world if they want to. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was one or of the... Or if they're traveling, they can join still. Yeah, that was one of the benefits of lockdown, right? Because 2020 came 
everybody started to connect from. The world became suddenly much smaller. Yes. I mean, the world already was already feeling smaller to people because of the advent of low-cost travel mm -hmm. and technology. But being confined to your own house, but wanting that social connection, when people started to seek it, they realized that I don't have to stop in my geographical location anymore. And then we had all this international um, queries, members, people from different parts of the world. So we kept it like that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of That's nice. borderless. It's a borderless uh, club. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> What's the next step for, for the club this year? Are you actually reading more non-fiction than fiction or are you, are you creating a balance between the two? Yeah, balance between the two. Okay. Um, and, this, and the books that are put forward, are they put forward by the book club community or are they put forward by you? Either or, actually. Okay. I encourage people to suggest books mm -hmm. because, of course, you know, this is not so much about me controlling everything people read, but, but sort of steering the, the management of, of the organization while adding some, some value as well with the membership. So people can suggest books. And the first one we read of the year was Thich Nhat Hanh, The Art of Living. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened, believe it or not, that we were reading that book when he passed away. Oh my goodness. And that was recommended wow. by a member of the club. Very poignant. It was so poignant. Yeah. It was such a poignant moment when the news broke as well. And, you know, we use a platform called Book Clubs. Mm -hmm. It has an app, you know, so we have a community which is managed via this bespoke book club application. And I posted in there, I said, oh, can you believe Thich Nhat Hanh's passed away? You know, what a legend or what a life of service he's lived and led. Yes. And people just really jumped onto that. It was just such a powerful moment. And the book just took on even more significance yeah, yeah, at that yeah. time. Yeah. And the messages in the book. And we've got people in the book club who don't talk about these things in terms of spiritual exploration. A lot of the terminology and concepts are new to some people. Mm -hmm. For others, you know, they're, they've been exploring spirituality and, you know, personal growth and self-development for many years so it's a really nice fusion yeah, yeah really yeah. nice fusion so this is really interesting how you've taken storytelling very much on a on a personal level and for people to personally enjoy that yeah um to run in parallel with what you do on more of a on a more of a professional level yeah whether it be oh we're hitting the wind now whether it be um through business interaction or through individual interaction yeah. about people and companies being able to express themselves through their own personal story. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I started out, and I may have mentioned this in our first interview, <laughs> um, I started out doing storytelling very much for strategic purpose. Mm -hmm. um, you own your own business, you want to sell your services, and you want to connect with your audience. Yes. You've got to tell your stories. Stories help you to remember. Stories are vehicles of powerful messages. Stories evoke emotional uh, reactions. And, and they really speak to us on a very human experiential level. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to help people to unlock the power of stories in their business. But at the same time, as I mentioned, I was practicing mindfulness, right? Yes. And there was something for me on my own personal journey evolving through this space of identity fatherhood husbandhood <laughs> yes um what it means to be that person 
what it means to even work in a corporate environment you know this very fixed sense of self yes yes and the mindfulness helped me to decouple from from that to be a little bit more fluid with that and essentially to unhook a little bit from the stories so what essentially happened for me was stories are powerful ways of communicating and contextualizing experience but at the same time they can change yeah they're fluid they can be a lot more fluid if we learn how to be mindful of these things so from that point of view i started to evolve into what i call holistic storytelling mm -hmm. so originally it was strategic storytelling you've got this aim you want to use it in your business you've got this particular outcome you want to see that's very strategic, isn't it? But there's a also a holistic side. It can help you to be better, to come unstuck in your life. And then Mindful Storytelling was born out of that. Right. Um, so I teamed up with Shama Shaladina, who actually taught me to teach mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And we have now, we're now sharing <laughs> Mindful Storytelling <laughs> as, as, a, as a way of exploring your, your story, becoming unstuck and moving from victim to hero in your life. Okay, and and um, your connection or collaboration with with Shamash is actually such a great one because he's written so much about mindfulness, hasn't he? Or yeah, so mindfulness for dummies even. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which perfect. I think I need to read. Perfect for me too. Yeah, <laughs> which is what he would always say. He would say, "Yeah, I wrote it for myself." <laughs> yeah, Shamash is one of the recognised experts in mindfulness and has been teaching it for over a decade and practicing it for over a couple of decades. Yeah. And has written a number of books on them. And that, like I say, he taught me to teach it. Right. So he, he's, he's also a teacher of something called acceptance commitment therapy or training. Mm -hmm. And um, we sort of integrated these things with the storytelling. Right. So that people can use these tools mm -hmm. and apply them to the story of their lives. Okay. Uh, so that's how Shamash and I came together with the mindful storytelling. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. We did a podcast on the series on it. We've got a podcast called Mindful Conversations. And yes. our first season was all about mindful storytelling. Okay. And who did you have as your guests? Were they people that you knew or were you people that you invited to, to come and have a mindful conversation? Because that whole uh, um, idea of a mindful conversation I mean what does it actually mean I mean mm. there's a conversation and then what is the mindful bit how yeah. does that change yeah the dynamic of what you talk about yeah yeah that's, that's a good question actually so our podcast mindful conversations is not just it's, it's got two meanings I would say and uh, Shamash and I haven't discussed this uh, in any depth okay. to create a label for it. Yes. But I'm sure we, he would agree that we're doing two things here in this conversation. One, we are being present with each other mm -hmm. when we engage. Okay. And being present just means being aware now. We're no longer dwelling in the past or in the future. Now, you need that mental flexibility if you need to pull a memory from your memory bank or you need to consider some conceptual idea. Yes. But we are still in touch with sensory awareness and we're still here in the present moment of what we are experiencing at any given time. Right now, we can feel the breeze on our face as we're walking through Swinley. Yes, and it's actually lovely, this part of the wood, isn't it? It's, it's lovely. Very calm. There's no one around, yeah. so we can hear the wind in the trees. Yes. We can feel the pebbles and the soles of our feet pushing through our walking boots. Mm -hmm. 
bodies probably feel quite a few degrees warmer than the parts of our body that are exposed. And we could even go much more granular into what we're experiencing in our bodies inside. Maybe our stomachs are growling, there's a tickling sensation or whatever. So yeah. now we're in tune with our sensory awareness, we're in the present, mm -hmm. but we're still having a conversation. Okay. And we're still talking about ideas. Yes. So there's a degree of listening, there's a degree of awareness, there's a degree of being here and now to really engage fully with each other. So I would say that's a mindful conversation. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, we're talking about mindfulness in the podcast itself or mindful related things. So the topics are also <laughs> mindful <laughs> okay. topics. So that's where the second meaning I would say comes in, where we are then talking about things as it pertains to mindfulness. And in this instance, in the first season, mindful storytelling. Okay. I mean, mindfulness, everybody's playing, toying with this word, mindfulness <laughs> yeah. and yeah. mindful conversations. And I, and I wonder how many people have actually given it as much thought. So it's yeah. good, good to have a, a more distinct idea of what, what it means to you as well, because this you're carrying through into your coaching mm -hmm. with individuals yep. and also with how you express and explore the storytelling side with companies. Yeah. Uh, so can you talk a little bit more about that and how that is progressing? Because uh, I suppose it depends on the company and what, what their story is or what they think their story is and then what you're trying to extract from them to be able to say, well, actually, is it really your story? Or to yeah. re... That's what I'm looking for. Uh, readdress their story and say, actually, that isn't my story at all. It's this. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's actually... Sorry, I asked about six questions in one there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's actually quite a good question. Um, so I guess the way I like to personally frame it is, let's look at the strategic side a little bit. The strategic side, you have the name, mm -hmm. your aim is probably to educate somebody on something, you know, um, let them know why you're doing what you're doing, why you care about the business you're in and why people should care and that will eventually lead to some sort of business engagement, right? Yes. That story is carrying a message. So the story then becomes a vehicle of the message. Mm -hmm. So for these companies, like let's say Marie Curie, I work with Marie Curie, uh, I work with Mencap, I work with a number of other charities, M3JC, a small charity in Hampshire. I work with commercial organizations, a small fintech company, uh, a company who buys other e-commerce companies. So you know, it's not the domain of any one particular sector. Yes. And I can spread across the sectors, but still their aims are strategic. So that's very message dominant. Okay. And also values related. So your stories, I can help them go through, let's say as founders of a startup, go through their value set, why they started up a company, and then create messages from that and the stories then carry those messages. Okay. If it's a big, well-established organization, and they have thousands of employees, it then becomes about their mission. They already have their values and their mission. I may help them to either tell stories that convey that, you know, convey those values and their mission and messages that are within them, or it might be client stories, success stories, or it even might be how people in the employee of the company can tell their own stories and how they are aligned with the company's missions and values. So that's the strategic side expressed in different ways. Sure. 
the holistic side, I work very much using the hero's journey as a template. Okay. And you may have heard of Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. Yes. Which has been recreated in <laughs> different guises over the years. <laughs> yes. Um, his was originally something like 17 stages. And we like to use the model in mindful storytelling of the 12 stages, commonly referred to as the Vogler model, who is a Hollywood screenwriter. Mm -hmm. And in really simple terms, that is saying that, and this is what Joseph Campbell's point was, the hero's journey of your life, the hero's journey of your life is, I'm actually wondering whether we should, if we go there, we'll be going down Okay. but it's quite open i'm wondering whether we should go here and then try and cut back into the trees okay let's do that yeah let's do that um i'm lost already so i'm following <laughs> you Carlin, to get me out of here yeah help. i haven't got my survival tent with me help anyone any where's the, where's the emergency beacon we just have to keep beacon? talking until somebody finds us well you and i we can talk forever <laughs> we could that's true um so yeah, so the 12 stages of the hero's journey is a really helpful model, helpful template to, oh look, we could even cut through here. Yeah, let's do a bit that. Of adventure. Yes. It's a really helpful way of framing our own journey. So what is the hero's journey saying? It's saying that in the story of our lives, we are the hero of our own life journey. Mm -hmm. And we go through various stages of this life journey. And on that life journey, we will experience different challenges mm -hmm. which will invariably lead to our transformation we have a choice of course as to how that transformation takes place how it looks and i suppose what resources we want to bring to bear to help us move through the story of our lives from a more empowered position mm -hmm. so these 12 stages of the hero's journey, they start from the ordinary world and they move all the way through to, on the 12th step, return with the elixir. Some of the main milestones, I won't go through all 12 now, but the main milestones is in the departure, you're in your ordinary world, you get a call to adventure. The call to adventure leads to you being, having to make a decision. Then you need help from a mentor or a guide who then helps you and persuades you to move over the threshold. Once you move over that threshold, you move into this special world or you move into this domain of initiation where all your trials come. You get tested, you have your allies, <laughs> you have your enemies yeah. um, and challenges and so on. And you have, to, you have to basically go really, really deep into what we call uh, in mindful storytelling, the dark night of the soul, mm -hmm. which you see kind of like in approaching the inmost cave and approaching the ordeal of the hero's journey which is the ultimate point of transformation okay and when you come out of that other side you cross the threshold back into your normal world but you've discovered this new power you've discovered this new power in your in your life this new ability you've up leveled so to speak and you have um, come back to your ordinary world but the world doesn't look so ordinary Okay. Yeah, of <laughs> because course. you're different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then you become kind of a mentor to someone else and you share your wisdom and knowledge with others. But here's the, the important point. The hero's journey never stops, right? The hero's journey is always happening. 
and, and we say that it, there are like fractals you know if you know about this idea of fractals you look at the leaf of a tree that leaf of a tree grows another branch and another leaf and then eventually another tree and on and on it goes or if you look at snowflakes and you know just replicates and replicates and gets smaller and smaller but every time you look at that pattern of yeah. replication you're seeing the same thing over and over and over yeah, yeah, yeah so that becomes for us a great way of seeing that the hero's journey for you never stops in okay. your life never stops as as life doesn't stop does yeah. it? so you're always being challenged throughout life and and it's unpredictable too so yeah i mean like even us coming here right now for example um was a bit of a hero's journey right now for us <laughs> you know course, yes. the call to adventure yeah let's do a podcast interview yeah uh okay and then of course it just so happens that this is your podcast so i i happen to be the hero of this journey and you're guiding me along mm -hmm. but we could also flip it and say but i'm bringing you to swindley so you're the hero of the swindley journey i'm guiding you along okay <laughs> right yeah, yeah. and then what challenges are we facing well we've got some time constraints of course We've got the parking thing. We've got the weather. We're going to try and find something to talk about. <laughs> oh, that's not a problem. Don't you worry. I know, I know it's not. Um, Puddles to avoid. <laughs> yeah. But everything is a hero's journey, okay. even, even one day. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. You know? And that's why it's important to live in the, in the moment, in the present, as much as, as much as one possibly can, which is also very hard to do. Yeah, and this is, this is ultimately what we want to show people in the hero's journey. So, I mean, teaching you the hero's journey is only one stage and, and then saying, okay, and as you move along these stages of the hero's journey, what can you actually do to find the things to help you along the way? Mm -hmm. Who is your mentor? Your mentor doesn't have to be a person. Your mentor could be a book. It could be your values. Okay. Your mentor could even be somebody who's already passed away. Right. Um, oh, that's an interesting one. Yeah. So we, we want to be able to free people from the constraints of thinking, I need to call this particular person. We're trying to get onto there, really. Yes, okay. Should we just cut, jump over this yeah, hill? Yeah, let's try. Why not? Because I can see the, the wind is <laughs> affecting the mics. Yeah, it's just a bit, it's um, a bit foggy here, but we've got our walking boots on, so okay. Yeah. So yeah, so then, so then when you start to look at these uh, tools available to us um, in different ways, then we see actually, wow, okay, so this becomes a metaphor for our lives and we have different resources available to us and different opportunities for development. And then soon enough, with mindfulness and acceptance, we see that we are not our stories at all. Well, that's a big thing. Yeah. You know, that becomes a really big moment, right? I'm not the story I'm telling. Wow. Um, we discover a higher version of ourselves. We discover we're not our thoughts. We discover we're not our feelings. And that part of us that recognizes that that is true we then tap into something much bigger. Okay. That part that goes, so that part that's watching your thoughts and your feelings, mm -hmm. you realize that, well, if I'm watching my thoughts and my feelings, who am I? 
and then you realize there's something much bigger and we call it the observer self once you realize and tap into this observer self we start plugging into a greater power that we even realize we had on the story of our lives and that's where a big unlocking moment comes on the mindful storytelling journey okay which is the next yeah it's when you realize that you know you are not who you thought you once were yeah that story of your life that was limiting you keeping you stuck all these incessant thoughts and feelings that had you in a bind we allow them to be and we realize they're not who we are we discover this power this observer self which allows us to transcend much of these challenges that arise okay so when we approach this dark night of the soul when we have this big ordeal that big challenge that we're facing we're able to face it with that degree more flexibility openness we can be more fluid with it we can approach it first of all and accept it as just one of many thoughts and feelings that we might experience along our journey and can it um ever turn out to be a negative process where oh my goodness this is far too much yeah for me as a person to to manage yeah and then how do you turn that around yeah it's a great question so we always encourage people to engage or embark on a journey that's manageable i would say you wouldn't really try and run the London Marathon after having never run anything in your life. Yeah. You might just go and run around the park. Mm -hmm. You might run around the block. So we want to do something that's manageable for you when you first start. Okay. And, and you build on it. And you so. build on that. Sure. So, so the hero's journey, like I say, because it's replicating all the time and it's happening in all these areas of our lives, we're what we're really doing is building a capability. Okay. We're building a capability. We're not just doing one thing once and saying, right, that's the end. Your life is completely fixed. Yeah. We're building a capability and a flexibility and an openness to deal with these challenges. So if something becomes intense, if somebody is approaching an issue that's, that feels like it's too much, then we would say, okay, let's go gently. Let's not run the marathon now. Let's run around the park. <laughs> let's do something that's manageable for mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. because this is meant to be constructive right sure it's not meant to it's not meant to cause people more problems yeah um, and this is not to say that work doesn't need to be done here because it does require a little bit of courage you know we do need to be gently moved out of our comfort zone yeah but we don't need to stretch ourselves so far that it becomes moves from the constructive zone to the destructive zone sure sure sure. does that make sense yeah yes it does um and a lot of this you have you have actually experienced obviously yourself with your own story and your own hero's journey mm. um going on retreats and mm -hmm. particularly the vipassana retreats that you have embarked upon mm -hmm. uh, what what has been the uh the impact of of those both while you've been there and then when you've come out and um, why did you feel the need yeah to experience it as well yeah so vipassana is one of many different types of meditation retreats that are available um, i do various ones but vipassana is one that i do return to um, that's all about 
you know, seeing the, the exact language is seeing things as they are. So I guess from a really simple point of view, it's really being able to observe what is actually present without running away from it or running towards something else. Mm -hmm. Invariably, if you're running away from something, you're, you're running towards something. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, in sort of Buddhist lexicon or Vipassana speak, it would be desire and, uh, or craving and aversion okay. or experiential avoidance. Yeah. And at the really basic level, everything we experience is experienced in the body. Uh, so the teaching says that everything we experience is experienced in the body. If you really, really love films, you really, it's not really the film that you love. You love how the film makes you feel in your body. Mm -hmm. If you really enjoy food, it's not really the food that you love. It's the feeling that arises in your body. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you love sex, if you love anything, it doesn't really matter. It then becomes a very uh, sensory-based experience because that's really what experience is. Mm -hmm. which Whether it's music as well as another key one, isn't it? Yeah. It's another um, energetic flowing through the body or a chemical change in the body. Yeah. Um, which arises and then we either like it or don't like it, Yeah. basically. Then the mind obviously makes stories later. <laughs> the mind makes stories after. But at the very basic level, the ultimate level, that's how the body is experiencing these things. Mm -hmm. So these meditation retreats that you refer to, uh, especially as, as it is sort of closely aligned with mindfulness, is being able to allow things to be. Okay. Accept things as they are and free ourselves from the slavery of reaction. Right. Yeah. Which we all do. Which we yeah. all do. Yeah. It's just, you know, if we're born and we're here on earth, we're alive, then, sorry, <laughs> we're slaves in some way or another <laughs> to our own <laughs> reactions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're not really 100% truly free mm. yet. Aha. Uh -huh. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Right. So I, I think that's what, where, for me, the value is, is about strengthening that, developing self-realization. And also, you know, it helps with a lot of things like compassion. Because the more we realize, or certainly for me, and I can only speak from my own experience. I can't, I can't say this is a universal experience, but for me, it's like the more I realize that I am a slave to my own reactions, <laughs> the more compassionate I could be with other people. Okay. Because yeah. they're also slaves to their own reactions. Sure. Yeah. And then their behavior may be more or less destructive at any given moment than mine, but that doesn't give me the grounds to judge. Absolutely. Because then, then you go, well, you know what? I recognize that that's a automatic behavior. <laughs> that's yeah. a behavior that's, that's arising out of this very basic principle of reactivity, yes. of conditioning, that we are conditioned to this automatic response nature, which we, of course, are not completely free of. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So those are some of the benefits for me personally. Okay. Um, much more compassion, much more patience, allow me to be much more forgiving, you know, can let go of things faster yes. than before. That's always a tough one, isn't it? That for a lot yeah. of people, me included. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, oh, really, it's things, really helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So having done these Vipassana retreats, you're feeding that experience into creating your mini retreats that you're doing on mindful storytelling Yeah. Um, with Shamash and your sister Simone. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is about to take place on the 6th of March. Yeah, you have, you have done your homework, yeah. <laughs> well, thank, thank you, Mayfair. because you got me in my mind going into such a really deep place. <laughs> I actually forgot I was about to do that. And, uh, um, uh, we're collaborating with Simone Niles, who's my sister, who actually uses sound frequencies for healing. And we're going to bring our own skills and perspectives together to do a mindful storytelling experience which we will guide people through in a very short mini retreat at Rene Relexi's Euphoria Art Exhibition in Shepherd's Market, Mayfair. The wonderful Rene. She's been my guest uh, Rene, a couple of times now. Absolute uh, amazing woman. She is, isn't she? Yeah. And with her artwork, which is based on the fact that she has synesthesia yep. and therefore her, the way she expresses her artwork, the colour is through through sound so yeah so there's, there's so much overlap right yeah yeah so Rene paints sounds <laughs> yes <laughs> basically. it's incredible, quite yeah. incredible. Yeah. so, so this is perfect so her exhibition is actually the backdrop so it's a perfect sort of collaboration in a way of, uh, it's so of timing as well that you've all come together at this moment to to create this this mini workshop that podcast listeners if they're in London can yeah sign up to yeah um, I'll leave the links in the in the yeah. show notes. Mindfulstorytelling.co. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so t- tell me a little bit more about what that retreat will embrace. Yeah. So we're going to explain some of what I just explained to you now, what, what the stages of the hero's journey are. Yes. But then it's going to be experiential. So this is not so much, you know, <laughs> the flip charts and... Uh, PowerPoints, <laughs> although there will be a, a little bit of an introduction so people know okay. what we're doing. But then we're going to actually guide people through their own hero's journey, like a meditative experience, really. Okay. And that will be accompanied by a live sound bath where Simone will be singing and using her instruments um, to usher us along the way. Okay, sounds mm. amazing. And who should come to this? Who who should, because there may be some people who are suffering trauma or something like that. Is it a place for them, or is it a place for somebody that just wants to explore a bit what the hero's journey is about? I mean, who who? What's your target audience? Shall I say? Yeah, definitely not for anybody who's experiencing active trauma. Um, we have to be very careful with um, active trauma to approach that gently and respectfully sure. to to ourselves. Yes. Uh, I'm not saying that we as as hosts and facilitators are are scared no. <laughs> i'm saying that we're just mindful that these areas are um they have to be timely mm-hmm. so this is more for people who yes you may have had some sort of trauma in your background but it's not live active trauma okay. and you are learning to use a tool set and to use this new modality to be able to approach any future challenges that might arise. So that's, uh, again, a curious person. You may already be somebody who teaches. You may already be a, uh, a therapist, or you may already be a coach, or somebody in a healing modality yes. who wants to learn how to apply 
this particular approach of mindful storytelling. Okay. Um, so that's one. Mm -hmm. If you're just curious anyway to have a new experience and you are interested in self-development and you're interested in how to get unstuck from one part of your life and looking for a, a creative and fun way to do that, then this is also for you. So that's the kind of okay. person who might be interested. Okay, um, and it's, it. it's quite a small space. So in fact, the maximum number that you will have is, is 12 people, is that right? Yeah, I would say, keep it, um, yeah. Keep it a bit more of an intimate. 12 stages of the hero's journey, 12 pounds to get in. Uh -huh. 12 people there we go keep it simple <laughs> <laughs> perfect so anybody uh, who's interested yes check out the show notes and uh, which i'll include at the end of with this podcast when it's launched uh next week yeah yeah thanks um, for asking about that so calvin mm. as well as doing your podcasting your writing yeah your uh coaching yeah um your book club mm -hmm. You're also a poet. Well, yeah, I've never been called a poet before, but I guess you can say that, yeah. <laughs> to be or not to, to be, be, Emma, <laughs> that is the question. Indeed. <laughs> I see a tree. <laughs> uh, and um, is this something that, is this, oh, perhaps not a poet is, is not, maybe not the word you want to use, but you're exploring writing poetry and you're expressing it using Facebook as your, your medium to, to get the, your, your poetry out there. Yes. Is it something that's just come very um, organically or? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, just totally organic. I mean, I've, I've just been re-exploring, I think out of lockdown, um, I just really tapped into this rich creative vein. And um, I was putting a lot of pen to paper and and this is one of the things that emerged. Mm -hmm. uh, I've always had a kind of creative background anyway. I've always been into storytelling. And I did media and I did film studies and, you know, I did production stuff and I used to write. So, so actually there's, there's always that kind of creative, expressive part in the background. Yes. Which maybe only manifested when I was in my corporate life in writing board papers or <laughs> whatever. Um, that was what a shame, eh? <laughs> yeah, that was obviously before I, um, you know, I talked about the training to be an airline pilot yes. and doing all those things. So that happened in the middle. But I kind of rediscovered this creativity. And out of that came some of these poems, mm -hmm. which, yeah, they, they, just, they just come whenever they come. They just appear, you yeah. know, like a like a hot chocolate in the middle of an icy winter right when you need it <laughs> it's like oh there's a new poem <laughs> and when when that does happen you have that moment of, of suddenly needing to write yeah. does it literally just flow and you you've you've written it within a couple of minutes or yeah yeah probably yeah yeah um so i turn them into films and i put them on youtube okay so the ones you've probably seen on Facebook, I maybe put the, the actual words of the poem there, yes. but I might share the link to the video as well. So I make these mini films out of them. Okay. Um, yeah, sometimes they just, the sweet spot for me is as soon as I wake up in the morning. Right. As soon as I wake up in the morning, even sometimes before I've even gotten out of bed, I would write one and I might just grab my phone or a notebook, or I might even just record it into a voice note. Yes, yeah. So that's one thing that might come. 
And sometimes like it just be a whole download of a poem just come straight away. In December, I wrote one called The Illusion of Shadows. And that just sort of came to me while I was on retreat, funnily enough. And then I just, when I came out of retreat, I just recorded it and yeah. made, a, made a film of it. So, so yeah, so they come ar around like that from time to time. Yes. So it just shows that I went through a point last year where I was, when I woke up first thing in the morning, I would do almost like a five minute brain dump. Yeah. And sometimes that too would turn out to be a poem rather than oh. just a brain dump. And I don't know where it came from. I think it's great too that we all explore our sort of inner creativity because yeah. it, sometimes you don't even realize it's in there. Yeah. Which is quite, yeah. quite Every, exciting. Everyone has this creative potential, but we don't always explore it. Yes. And, uh, and for some, it comes out in writing and words, for some, it comes out in dance, for some, yep. it comes out in some other expressive art. But everybody has some creative potential. Yeah. Um, I mean, invariably, we are creators, whether we're conscious of it or not. <laughs> we are always creating some yes. version of our reality. Yes. So, you know, I was talking to a guy on my podcast recently, Stories of Awakening, a guy called Michael Taylor, a really inspirational guy in Texas. And he talks, he talks it like, you know, very much in these terms, you know, we are creating all the time. <laughs> but, you know, we need to learn to co-create. And, and in his exact words, you know, we need to co-create with the divine. Uh, he he's basically um, a prolific writer himself mm -hmm. and you know I kind of agree with that you know that there is a creative spirit in all of us anytime someone says I'm not creative they are misguided because people have a fixed idea of what creativity is sure. creativity means I must be able to draw or paint now I can't do that I have to say well certainly I can't do it to any sort of um, exhibition worthy standard <laughs> yes, yeah. but again it's like that or whether it's writing it's it's almost like a it's a an, a release of emotion or it's a release of tension or yeah. just to somehow writing it painting it whatever gets it out of your system in a way allows yeah. you to relax after yeah yeah so there's a psychological element of uh processing as well i think we're gonna have to cut across here oh dear it looks like they're oh we can't cut across here either ah. I the tree also sellers. am very um, conscious in my moment of being present is there's a lot of gunfire going on. <laughs> yeah, oh, you recognise the gunfire. Yes. That's actually uh, a military base. Oh, is it? Yeah, okay. over the other side of the forest. Oh, that's good. I we're mean, there walking. is a very clear... I we were walking right to it. There's <laughs> so a very clear boundary, yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> Don't worry, the good Russians have not invaded. <laughs> we are safe. <laughs> At the moment. Dot, dot, dot. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do think... Um, there is certainly a lot of room for us to explore this creative potential that mm. is inside of all of us. And even if it's just for ourselves. Yes, yeah. As you say, even if it's just for processing, for releasing, because there is something that really powerful about externalizing what is alive in us. Yes. Whether that's in the spoken word, whether that's in something visual that you write or paint, whether that just comes out in our movement uh, we like to move, we like to dance, we like to express ourselves in some kind of physical way. Yeah, sing, whatever. Sing, yeah, yeah, sing, play an instrument, whatever it is. Mm. Um, that comes from a source which is hard to explain, <laughs> but it's there. It is there, it definitely is. <laughs> yes, and it's within all of us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm with you there, sister. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing, brother. <laughs> so. Yeah. 
where is your where is your life taking you in 2022 Calvin oh you've done a lot and you're, you're sort of you seem very focused really yes oh thanks <laughs> I'm glad I have that impression <laughs> but maybe I've got it all wrong are you, are you about to unravel as we've walked please don't <laughs> um yeah where's 20 what's 2022 got in store um hmm. where would you like to take your your personal journey in 2022 i would I say your, your business journey even so i mean i guess personally it's just to continue to to grow and develop as a human being uh professionally i would like for that to manifest in the things that i'm already doing but to develop those further so i would like for the book club to grow and impact more people because mm -hmm. we are reading great stuff yeah you know um there's some some really amazing books in there and you know we're we're just having a conversation about it in a nice fun engaging non-pretentious way mm -hmm. there's no lecturing going on people are just going oh well this is what i you know how book clubs are it's just like that but it happens to be spiritual fiction or non-fiction yes yeah um so i'd like to grow that and continue to offer value in that way mm -hmm. uh i'll continue with my podcasting um because you've got three kind of running in parallel haven't you three podcasts yeah are you focusing on one more than the other so one with shamash is with your mindful conversations is that another series to come or is that yeah so on the back burner at the moment? so i've got one podcast called storytelling insights mm -hmm. that's a finite show that's just a resource okay for people who want to explore storytelling from various angles art science and if they most people would probably use that in a professional context right that's a finite resource and it's available on youtube for anybody to watch if they you know want to get the perspective of a journaling expert or ex-bbc journalist or a scientist or you know there are different people who've contributed to that okay that's finished that will not continue right i then have an ongoing one called stories of awakening mm -hmm. that will just continue indefinitely okay um, because people's stories, they never end. They don't. That's true. That's <laughs> and true. there's lots of value in hearing these stories for people when they can self-identify in somebody else's. I recognize, oh my God, that's me. Mm -hmm. Soon that helps you to apply some of the, I guess, first of all, make people feel not so alone. Yes. But also um, apply some of the, the nuggets to their own lives. So in a way, that's for me a way of serving. Mm -hmm. And the mindful conversations will be done in seasons. Okay. One season at a time. Right. So that one is still going to, to resurge in a new guise. Right. And it's going to be a, a new topic for the next season. Mm -hmm. um, probably won't be mindful storytelling. It'll be something else. Okay. Um, but Shamash and I will do what we normally do, which is have fun. <laughs> yes. Yes, you do. And enjoy it yes. and make sure that... You know, while people are getting value, they're also having fun too. Yes. Yes, because the medium of listening rather than the visual medium of seeing illustrations yeah. is it, very different, isn't it? It's, in, it's managing to engage people um, for long enough and to keep them engaged. Yeah. And, and it's quite a, quite a, um, it's a different skill really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's this, this, this always this perpetual question of a 
attention competition. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How do we? I mean, that's the ultimate currency. Mm -hmm. You know, people think currency is about money, but it's actually about attention. Yes. And uh, there's a lot of science out there on that now. Okay. Which says, you know, that's pretty much even in your relationships. That's all you're doing. Trying to get someone's attention. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> so I want you to listen to me. Yes. I want to hear me. <laughs> I want to feel me. I want to appreciate what I'm going through. I want you to see my perspective. I need your attention for any of that to happen. Yeah. Without your attention, I can't connect with you at no, all. No, no, no. Yeah. And yes, you're absolutely right. Distraction is really um, one of the biggest challenges we have in today's world. Yeah. And how do we stop ourselves from being distracted? It's a hard being one. being in the present. Yeah. It's a hard one. By just being. Yeah. So we've got, we've got to cultivate new habits mm -hmm. and new habits require persistent practice. Yes. But it's <laughs> meditate, everybody. Meditate. <laughs> meditate. <laughs> but it's very interesting how, how your devices challenge you to stay with them, it. Yeah. That piece of plastic rather <laughs> than with that human being sitting next to you or opposite you. Yeah. Yeah, uh, actually. The last conversation we had, we talked about Tome a little we bit, did, didn't we? Yes, and yeah. I wonder what, what, what has happened yeah. with, with Tome. I know it's a very, it was quite a challenging project in itself, but the idea behind it was, was brilliant. So at a very, ba at a very basic level, um, so if we, if we remember what Tome was. Yes, let's tome, tell the podcast listeners, because some of yeah. them may so not Tome have So Tome was a, a product, it was a timer-locked capsule for smartphone addiction. And... Um, well, smart devices, really, not just phones, but mostly it's people's phones that we use nowadays. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea was to incentivize people to break away from their devices at times where it mattered, times of togetherness, times where you needed to, to focus on your work or engage in a conversation or be a family at the dinner table and so on. And we would reward you with points in an app that you would then be able to accrue and spend on healthy habits. Yes. So that was the concept. Now, very basic level, people like the idea. But if I were to be really honest with myself, I would say it was like trying to tell a drug addict to buy a product to get them off the drugs. <laughs> mm. They don't really want that. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they yeah. want to just buy the drugs instead. And that's just the addictive nature of the technology. Mm -hmm. um, so could it have worked? Yes. There are products out there that do work in, yeah. in this way. Um, probably not in the combination that we had. Mm -hmm. um, but we just weren't able to get the project off the ground, uh, particularly me leading the project, where yeah. you know, I, just, I just basically needed to move faster and I didn't have the capacity to do it all in one go. Okay. So part of it was capacity constraint. But I think at a really fundamental level, it was a hard sell. Yeah, yeah, yes. I think. But you personally, as a result, and the, peop and the people around you who were involved in this initial sort of um, design stage and uh, the collaboration. Do you want to try it down here? Yeah. Sorry to cut pulling you. The, pulling yeah. the we'll go through this little swampy, <laughs> swampy-like territory. Yeah, thanks, Carl. Let's yeah. see whether no, I can keep a my pleasure. concentration. We've got waterproofs on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my boots do need re-waterproofing, but they're fine. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the, 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 
the idea behind the design. Yeah. Do you find yourself being more conscious, even though you don't have tome yourself, yeah. of practicing what you were trying to preach? Yeah, I found myself being more conscious of it. I don't find myself always being successful. Yes. And especially because, you know, I think part of the challenge is the reality of the world. So much of our lives are governed by our one device. Even more now with Even more now. QR codes and goodness yeah. knows what. I mean, we use it for, as keys to our car. Yeah. We use it as to turn the lights on and the heating on in our houses. We use it to spend money and get money. Yes. We use it to communicate, not just um, with people who we love, but professionally. Yes. So essentially, it's become a metaphor for our entire life domain. Yeah, yeah, yes. And so it becomes very, very difficult when you want to take a break. You know, if you wanted to take a break from work in the old days, you worked in a factory. Once you'd left the office, you left the office. Yeah. And you had a very clear boundary. We were segregated. Our lives were compartmentalized in a way mm. that they are not now because yeah. so much of it is coming through this one interface. True. Everything overlaps. You're right. So we have to bring even greater effort and awareness to our uses of it. And that's where I think the challenge is mm. and where I'm personally challenged. Yes. Um, but again, if we can build in at least some small constructive habits and be aware of this problem, and the impact that's having on our lives and our relationships, then it's still a small step in the right direction. Yeah, it is. I mean, what I what I struggle with. I mean, out of all the list, the lists of everything that you said you use your phone for, I, <laughs> I only use it for one of those, which is to communicate. You know, really? To, yeah, I don't use it for any anything else. No banking. Nope. Wow. Um, Maybe you should start I, up a course. <laughs> <laughs> but because I I object to the fact that it's expected that yeah. that we have that there is no other option we are we are being dictated to in terms of so it's a, it's a we, bit of a rebellious streak well, in you <laughs> it's, I just, the, it's I, the emma I, warrior I, the emma warrior i i love that face-to-face -face contact and i know there's a lot of parents with young kids out yeah. there who don't communicate everything is done through their phone yeah. They text each other. They don't talk to each other. Yeah. And suddenly they're going to grow up and they're going to struggle to be able to actually have a conversation with people, which means where is the world actually going 10, 10 years? I mean, it's, it's, very, it's very soon that this is going to happen, that we're going to have a, a generation who are not going to be able to communicate mm. well with the elders. And yeah. where, where does that leave us when we get older we, <laughs> we need yeah. we need their help in care or whatever how are we going to communicate with them yeah i guess this is such a great question and uh, a really interesting area to explore i think one of the first things is that you know um you know you get certain groups of people who might cut themselves off from society mm. um they might live purposefully rudimentary lifestyle they might have very basic ways of farming they would deliberately only grow their own food cut themselves yeah. off that's a very conscious choice yeah and it's for similar reasons because really we got to see that it's not just what's happening externally but 
let's just look at how nature works, right? The brain always wants the most efficient way to do anything. Mm -hmm. um, our neural pathways, if they're not being used, they will drop, they'll fall away. Yes. This is why we've got to practice to play music, practice piano, to keep those neural pathways alive and then strengthen them. And then if there's some way that the brain could do something much more efficiently, it will do that. And that's just the way nature evolves, right? So that will exhibit itself in our own behaviors. That's not, we're not, you know, again, fractals, right? We're not any, we're not different from nature. So when we are communicating, we do want the fastest way. We don't want to send a pigeon anymore. Yes. We want to email. <laughs> yeah, of course. You know, when yes. we had airplanes, we sent international mail. Now we've got, now we don't have faxes, we've got emails. So we're always looking for a faster, more efficient way to do things. Sure. So this is where I think the consciousness part comes in, the awareness and then the active choices. So it's no longer, you know, there was a physical constraint or a structural systemic constraint that disallows us from doing things. Now we can do all of this. Now we have to choose actively. What do we want to do differently? Mm -hmm. How do we want to live our lives, build our habits in a way that we retain some of these things you talk about, our communication skills, for example, um, are those communication skills that you mentioned, are they needed or is it just natural state of evolution? These are all good questions for us to ask. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we build our lives according to that. So sure. it, it is why we have to grow in consciousness. It is why we have to practice mindfulness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you, if you, if you take it to the, the nth degree of yeah. scariness, yeah. basically we could end up just being controlled by our apps and our everything's been done for us and in <laughs> fact we'll just get fat because we won't even we won't even need to walk because there'll be electric cars or whatever have and you, everything comes to us have you watched wally sorry wally no watch wally okay if anybody's listening to this and definitely watch it as well emma and i actually think i'm going to watch it again too it's a, it's a pixar film I think it came out, I don't know, probably 15 years ago now. Know, but there's a children's book called Where's Wally? But it must be something. <laughs> no, that Wally. No, 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 no. <laughs> this Wally is W-A-L-L-E. Ah, okay. And, um, and it, it basically is about this robot. Anyway, I won't spoil it, okay. but it, it does, it is set on this backdrop of mankind reaching this exact stage that you're talking about now. Okay. We're fat, <laughs> you know, we're dumb and we're happy and lazy. Yes, <laughs> you know, which is actually already happening in the society a lot. Well, yeah, we're getting weaker are as, we a, happy as a species. Though? That's a question in amongst all of that. But yeah, we are yeah. getting weaker. We're yeah. yeah it's we're a bit frightening, actually. We're living at one of the most materially abundant times in history. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate and I have to just contextualize and say preface and say, I recognize that we are in the minority in the West in terms of the global population. Yes. For yeah, the fortunate sure. lifestyle that we lead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still on balance, this level of material abundance has not been seen for, you could say ever, or certainly not for a very long time, depending mm. on what your beliefs are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Maybe, mm, sorry. No, yeah. So, so I guess I just, all I'm saying there is that we have all of this material abundance and convenience and pleasure-based lifestyle. And we don't even have to worry, well, I certainly don't have to worry about where my next meal is coming from, and many people don't. Mm. But happiness is not as prevalent as you would expect. No, it's not linked to any of these things, really, is it? Well, what it's is it linked to? It's on another level. Yeah. yeah. What is happiness linked to? 
is linked to our purpose and meaning in our lives. And when that fulfillment arises, we realize happiness. Mm -hmm. So when we realize that self-fulfillment, what's the path towards that? Because now we realize, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs says, base level of, you know, reality of, of human existence is our physiological needs and our water and rest and sex and procreation, defecation, blah, blah, blah. Then we start to sense of belonging and then we have our families and our relationships and where we fit in society and we move up and up and up until we discover our gifts and our talents and we self-actualize because after a while it seems to go toward a direction of it being less about me yeah. <laughs> eventually yeah after i've survived and i've had my family and i've got my sense of community and I've, all those needs are met and all those needs are met and they're all just going perfectly swimmingly we then realize back to this creation again we are discovering our gifts and sharing them and then our sense of purpose is then becomes ultimately to help other people mm. or to serve other people in some way mm -hmm. whether you're the best musician ever you're giving that gift away sure you know whether you're the best writer ever you you know ultimately you're doing this for other people yeah partially you're doing it for yourself you can't escape that but your focus then changes to a more selfless position yeah. a more selfless place so to my mind happiness will arise easier as selflessness arises faster yeah <laughs> nicely put Calvin thank you I mean I, I was just thinking while you were talking about whether two people were walking just like us in Swinley Park Back forest, I think you'll find. Forest, even. How dare you call park? this a park? Sorry, How sorry. dare you? Walking. Sorry, trees. <laughs> sorry of millions of wild, beautiful, towering trees. Emma called you a park. park. <laughs> Oops. We've been walking for, I don't know, like an hour and a half, but we still haven't ended. In I mean, I suppose it could be a park. No, it's just a forest. It's definitely a wood. <laughs> <laughs> anyway so i was just thinking two people yeah walking through this forest park or wood <laughs> could have had exactly the same conversation when the first motor cars were coming out and machinery was taking the place of people and people were having more time at home and and we're, we're just like this next century of people with the next challenge of yeah. where we are in terms of technology and machinery doing things for us. Yeah. So has it really? It's not really changed. No, has it? That's nothing's really changed. That's the, it's just the, because we're in it. It is. It feels alarming, but maybe it's just a case of using what you need and disregarding the rest. You, you know that expression: the more things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah. I mean, the underlying fundamental questions of human existence still remain. Why are we here? Where are we going? And how do we get there? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know the answer, but what I certainly do know is that while working on that answer, I'm going to enjoy my life. I'm going to be free. I'm going to be giving. I'm going to develop myself in my patience. I'm going to learn from my mistakes. I'm going to acknowledge my own humanity. I'm going to realize that in my imperfection, I'm perfect. And I'll strive to do better every time. And then that's all we can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all we can do. Calvin, I think that is a perfect ending to our podcast chat. 
unless you have any other questions I've asked you quite a few but is there anything that you wanted me to ask you that I haven't no like I, I really enjoyed the conversation had no idea what the conversation <laughs> would entail where we would go with it um, but uh, uh, yeah thank you for, for asking such great questions it, it's something about walking that the conversation just goes. flows it goes in its own direction I find which is why I love to to do podcasts while walking and talking it's the best form for me anyway yeah, I love it and I hope, certainly worth it I certainly hope the podcast listeners listening today have enjoyed it as well Calvin thank you so much for being a guest for a second time thank you and taking me to this wonderful forest it's a gem isn't it <laughs> it is a gem um, I shall definitely come back again and explore it when I'm got time to just be mm. completely and and um, people come on their bicycles they jog and I don't mind you we haven't seen any joggers today have we <laughs> you've told them to jog on we've seen a few young cyclists uh, but they don't really venture as far as we have have they which is quite surprising considering yeah. how big it is and if the loggers hadn't stopped our path we'd have gone even further we in. would have done yes <laughs> So to all you podcast listeners out there, I hope you have enjoyed today's podcast with Calvin Niles and you have been inspired. I certainly have. Um, if you have enjoyed it, please do share with your friends. Please subscribe to the Travelling Through podcast. Hit that subscribe button. <laughs> that would be fantastic. <laughs> and if you have a chance and time to review or just give me a star rating or the podcast a star rating, that would be great because it helps to spread the word and get more people listening to all my wonderful guests that I've had on the show. I hope you have a wonderful week. We'll be back again next week. But for now, take care and thanks for listening.